0: It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. Tonight- I'm going to take an adventurous ride in the cognitive warfare domain as I talk about one state, Israel, driving proactive solutions. Yes, that's correct. One state, Israel, driving proactive solutions. My focus has been on providing an understanding of the ongoing cognitive war as it is the existential threat to our republic, our freedoms, our constitution and independence. One of the key challenges that we have is understanding how this war is being waged against us, but also understanding how to fight back. So today I'm going to focus on Israel. I'm going to focus on Israel and use the current situation with Hamas and their allies, China, Russia, and the Arab countries as an example of how one could conduct a successful cognitive war against our adversaries. As usual, my objective is to provide a strategic perspective, assessment, and analysis, and give you insights related to ongoing events and to provide a deeper understanding of the importance how to compete in this ongoing cognitive war. One state, Israel. So for decades, we've heard about the two-state solution. For decades, we've heard about the two-state solution. Where has that gotten us? They got us into several different wars involved in supporting Israel and its right to defend itself. There have been numerous opportunities for the Arab countries, the Middle East countries, the despots and dictators to negotiate a peace with Israel, but they've refused They've denied, and they've hindered and stopped such an effort. The last couple decades that Hamas has controlled and ruled the Palestinian area in Gaza, they've done it as despots and dictators. They've used ideology, communism and fascism to subjugate the people. They've used religion, the radicalization of Islam, to then promote terror and conduct terror not only against Israel but against their own citizens, and then use issues issues such as the two state solution to try to feign their interest in a peace in a peaceful negotiation, but then abrogating that continually by taking on these terrorist attacks, which they did on seven October. <clears throat> so today, I'm going to discuss three broader areas that will hopefully provide an example of how do you conduct cognitive warfare. I am do it from a position as if I'm advising the Israeli government on potential steps to consider in conducting this cognitive warfare. Because remember, the most critical domain is the human mind, the cognitive domain, the domain of ideas, will, spirit. That's the domain that we must address. Now, the challenge for Israel is that for the last two decades, with Hamas ruling the Gaza Strip and subjugating the people, they've undertaken massive, massive indoctrination campaigns, massive training from the youth from the time they're two or three years old to their current state young adults, and indoctrinating them that Israel is the enemy, Now, why is it when we talk about cognitive warfare that the despots and dictators in their strategy use ideology, religion, and issues? They do so because they have to distract those they subjugate from the terror and subjugation that they're underneath. And they have to deflect the blame for that tyranny, that subjugation to someone else. And that's what they do with Israel. Israel is the only free state in the Middle East region, the only free state. You have a number of monarchies, you have a number of despots and dictators, but none of them like Israel. And so Hamas has to find, has to find an enemy. They have to create a boogeyman. So I'm going to advise the state of Israel on cognitive warfare. I'm going to talk about thinking strategic and planning accordingly, how to seize the narrative and then implement. I'm also going to discuss how they can move from a reactive posture to a proactive posture by defining their future that they envision, not the future that Hamas and others envision for them. I'll talk about how you move from that reactive to proactive posture by mapping the information environment, the influencers, the connections across the Middle East states, dictators, despots, And their supporters, but also map the information environment to identify those who are allies. But talk about advancing real narratives on the lives, the desires, sexual corruption, economic corruption, that by the despots and dictators, because you have to drive them to react. As we need to call it the reality of the abuse and the enslavement of the Palestinian people by Hamas. And we've seen a number of examples here that have occurred, but they're all basically shut down in the mainstream media or the socialist media because the socialist media and mainstream media are no longer a free press. They're the fifth column of subversives who are trying to do the same thing here in the United States that Hamas is trying to do in Israel with China and Russia's aid and Iran's aid. And lastly, I'll talk about sustaining the advantage. So I advise on the state of the cognitive war. I'll talk about how do you move from a reactive to proactive posture, and then I'll close by how do you sustain the advantage, and predominantly doing it through education and the flow of information. And this is where, throughout this whole discussion today and future discussions on the NASA Security Hour, I'm going to try to give you examples and analysis of how do you apply my book, The Cognitive War, Why We're Losing, How We Can Win. How you can apply the lessons from that book in real life but i urge you to go out and purchase that book so you can fully understand and get the background because it's essential to understanding how to compete and win in the cognitive war what i'm going to be talking about is how you then apply apply the information i provide in the book to actual situations okay. and in sustaining the advantage one of the key areas a couple of key areas is one is applying the theory of the information equilibrium, which I just, just discussed fully in my book. It's critical and it's the fundamental basis of cognitive warfare. And it's ne- next, I'll talk about how do you map the minimal essential architecture, the minimal essential architecture that's required with the capabilities, the capacity, and the means. To conduct cognitive warfare tactically and strategically because as i've set out in this program numerous times cognitive warfare is not only the existential threat to our republican freedoms worldwide but it is pervasive and it is persistent it's been here a millennium before us and it will be here as long as mankind exists so let's move to the first area advising the state of Israel. So i playing the role as a senior advisor to the leadership of Israel. I would urge them that they have to take a step back and think strategically here and plan accordingly. They have to think strategic and plan accordingly. They have to move away from a myopic view of the day-to-day or month-to-month because they have to think about how do they seize back the narrative and then implement a strategy with the ways and means in an effective manner to achieve what? To achieve their objective of what they see as the future, not only for Israel, but for their neighbors, for those who wish to seek them harm. Reality is, as I've said up front, that dictators need an enemy. And until Israel disappears, the free state in the middle of these despots and dictators and monarchies is a threat. And that's why the two-state solution isn't going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to be able to keep the peace because it's a fallacy. And we've seen this with Qatar and Saudi Arabia right before the 7 October attacks. Both had just signed a new peace deal with Israel as well as Hamas did. And then as soon as the attacks took place, what did uh, Qatar and Saudi Arabia do? They praised They praised these animals these perverted animals, in terms of the terror they caused. <clears throat> but what do you expect from dictators? Okay. So let's take a look here. Recently, there's an opinion piece in the Washington Times written by David King. <clears throat> it's called US Israel Bashing at the Qatar Sponsored Doha Forum. Only the brave stand up to the elites, faulty reasoning. Now, I have to highlight this again. When people mention the elites, it really ticks me off because they're not elites. They're leeches on society. They're self-anointed elites. They think their shift, them, Adam Schiff, they think their shift doesn't stink. Okay? They think because they have an education at some place, okay, that they're an elite. Okay? And you can take a look across the board of guys like John Kerry, John Brennan, and others. Okay? Obama. Plenty of them out there. Soros. When we take a look at this opinion piece by David Keane he said, Arab and progressive activists, think tankers, and government officials gathered this month in Qatar's capital, Doha, days after the United States used its veto in the UN Security Council to kill a demand for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. The annual conference held in Doha is sponsored by Qatar. It's a small, tiny, wealthy Muslim nation that supposedly prides itself on well-intentioned efforts to ameliorate differences in the Middle East between the Muslim world and the West. He goes on to say the attendees this year were upset. To say they were upset would be an understatement. Speakers and attendees were in almost unanimous agreement that Israel with the U.S. backing is engaged in genocide against Palestinians whose land the Jews have occupied since the West created the State of Israel. Now, this statement alone speaks to the decades of the false narrative about the state of israel and It speaks to the decades of the false narrative about the palestinians who have had no state who have been disowned and who have been precluded precluded and stopped from entering their different neighbor states in the middle east why because they've been indoctrinated for so many years about the evil stuff all they do is cause trouble perpetuate trouble In Israel, there were Palestinian encampments in Gaza and other places where they had a notion of peace and potential economic prosperity. Hamas destroyed that. The speakers, he says, ignored the seven October massacre of Israelis or the rapes and hostage taking that led to Israel's decision to rid itself of the Gaza-based terrorist group. To listen to the speakers and panelists, one would have to conclude that little of note happened on October 7th meaning they ignored the massive slaughter of innocents. No one mentioned, the writer goes on to say, or even referred to the fact that Hamas had, over the years, built an intricate system of mile-long tunnels into Gaza with hidden entrances Other other aspects. Since no one admitted these things happened, they didn't need to justify any of it. They could just instead spend two days decrying Israel's war crimes, crimes against humanity. Now, many Americans, he writes, were in attendance, along with a 1,000 or so guests from around the world. Of course, China was there. Russia was there. Okay. And then, until South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham took the microphone, the Soviet, the Russian uh, representative Lavrov, was the only speaker to refer to or condemn Hamas for the initial attack. So that's very interesting. (laughs) It took the Russian to condemn Hamas. We'll come back to that a little bit later on, because Russia has their hand fully in this whole Middle East affair. I attended, he says, my first conference in Doha 20 years ago, after the typical U.S. bashing a brave man stood up and managed to get to the microphone to ask the questions. He informed his fellow attendings he was from Dafar and was disappointed to hear speaker after speaker suggest that if the United States would just leave and take the Jews with them, peace and prosperity would reign. But as thousands in my country are dying, I have to wonder why only the peoples trying to stop the killing and save the innocent are the United States and the Jews we're supposed to hate. The attendees at the conference had no answer for the man from Dafar. And they had no answer for Lindsey Graham, who was also there, who spoke about the same thing. But this is the power of the narrative. This is the power of the false narrative, because each of these Arab dictators and monarchies need need to perpetuate this false narrative that Israel's the enemy and it's, everything is Israel's fault because they don't want the Palestinians in their neighborhood either. And neither do they want peace because if they have peace, then you see the prosperity and, and riches and success within Israel and the freedoms that people have compared to the despots and dictators and word gets out. People don't like to be subjugated. I don't care where they're at. So what I'm calling for here, before we go on break, what I'm calling for here, what I would advise the Israeli government to do, is move towards a one free state solution. annex the West Bank. That's right, annex the West Bank and completely take over Gaza. Make it one Israeli state, one state solution, a one free state solution. And tell the others to go pound sand, literally. That would then move the conversation from Israel being reactive to proactive. And in doing so, they then have to move from a reactive to proactive manner also in driving the narrative. Now, I'm calling on Israel and the United States to move towards the one free state solution by annexing West Bank and Gaza. Why? Because it's the only way to completely upend the dictators proactively, start to drive them to react, and start to drive the narrative in a logical fashion, a factual fashion, to start to resolve and move towards a peaceful one-state solution in the Middle East with peaceful neighbors. And if they're not going to be peaceful neighbors, then it's time to take other efforts in the cognitive domain and in cognitive warfare. To fight back. When we come back from break. I'm going to talk more about moving from reactive to proactive posture. But make sure that you have America Out Loud Talk Radio on your speed dial. You can also listen to our media play from any web browser anywhere in the world. iHeartRadio Radio Network. We have the best in class applications on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24 by 7. So go to AmericaOutloud.news. AmericaOutloud.news. We'll be right back.
1: It's the way healthcare should be. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients— HealthyCell Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health. Cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back to
0: the NASA Security Hour. I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. So I just put on the table the big turd, 800-pound gorilla in the room. My advice to the Israeli government, the next to West Bank, take over Gaza and create one free state. Define your own future that you envision, a peaceful future. Do not let Egypt or others define your future. For example, in an article by Sami Magdi, Ajib Jovain, and Melanie Lidman in the Washington Post, I mean, the Washington Times in December, Egypt put forward an ambitious initial proposal to end the Israeli-Hamas war with the ceasefire, a phased hostage release, and the creation of a Palestinian government of experts, a Palestinian government of experts who would administer the Gaza Strip and occupied West Bank. Okay. Now, what's wrong with this picture to begin with? The Palestinian government of experts. So let's take a group of people who've been indoctrinated their whole freaking life to hate Israel and put them in charge of having peaceful relations with Israel. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. As the article goes on to say, the proposal worked out with the Gulf nation of Qatar. Oh, there's intent. Qatar again. Has been presented to Israel and Hamas and the United States and European governments, but still appeared preliminary. No shift it all falls short of Israel's professed goal of outright eliminating Hamas. Israel's war cabinet, including Prime Minister Netanyahu, will later in a week, it says here, to discuss the hostage situation. Word of the proposal comes as Israel airstrikes heavily pounded central and southern Gaza continuing to crush Hamas. And it talks about how the war has devastated Hamas. But what's interesting here. And the Egyptian proposal was an ambitious bid, not only to end the war, but to also lay out a plan for the day after. It calls for an initial ceasefire, militants were released, hostages, so many per day, then sick and elderly, at the same time negotiations would continue with an extended ceasefire. Okay? And we've seen what ceasefires do with Hamas. They used to rearm, regroup, okay? Egypt and Qatar would also work with the Palestinian factions, okay, including Hamas. Well, I believe Hamas has told them to go pound sand on this as well. In the, me- in the meantime, the article writes Is- Israel and Hamas would continue to negotiate a conference's all-for-all all deal. This would include the release of many- remaining hostages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Inside Gaza, the article goes on to talk about the Israeli offensive being one of the most devastating campaigns in history. Well, what do you expect when you have people coming and slaughter slaughter people in unheard of, unspeakable manners, okay, and unspeakable manners, okay, and then ask them to stand out. Not going to happen. And the Biden administration, the corrupt Biden administration, the Manchurian president, who I believe is compromised, continues to call for a ceasefire here. The war exacts a very heavy price from us, but we have no choice but to continue fighting, Netanyahu said in this article. Over time, the public will find it hard to ignore the heavy price paid, as well as suspicion that the aims that were loudly heralded are still far from being attained, and Hamas is showing no signs of capitulating in the near future. A certain paper noted. The point here is this is a perpetual war. As long as you do not capture the narrative, as long as you do not capture the cognitive domain, you can't kill an idea. You have to fight it with facts. So that's why Israel should put forth and act upon a one free, prosperous state for all. The next Gaza, the next West Bank. They must move from a reactive to posture to a proactive posture. As Hamas has clearly won the current battle because you can't kill an idea. They have three generations of people who they've indoctrinated. Now, in a Washington Compost, the Washington Post, another term, uh, rule mark, correct, <clears throat> he speaks and says, there's only one way forward after Gaza. Israel must accept it. Now, I love this. There's these other people, such as the Egyptians, come in, and here's the Washington Post where he comes in and says, here's what people should take a look at and accept. He says, reflecting on the Gaza war and Palestinian Israeli conflict, former President Barack Obama, now there's a there's a treat, offered disregard, regret. I look at this and I think back, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward? As hard as I tried. Well, let me tell you something, dear Barack, you didn't do crap. You didn't do shift as an Adam Schiff to help promote things in the Middle East. Matter of fact, you exasperated the problem, just like you did with Russia and Ukraine. So you utopian- B.S.ers, you utopian idiots, like you ought to just shut up, sit down, and get out of the picture, because you're useless. You didn't do anything for America but destroy it, and you haven't done anything for the Middle East but destroy it and cause more issues. And you did it by arming Iran, by giving them billions of dollars. Okay. And then also, exasperating the problem in Afghanistan to where your cohort, the Manchurian President Biden, pulled out. But I digress. Israel opinion in the favor of two state solution has been more since Palestinian Liberation Organization chairman Yasser Arafat refused Clinton's entrees in two thousand at Camp David. Remember, I talked about that. That's what the article writes, and they're right because there have been multiple opportunities. Regardless, the article says, given there is no plausible alternative, Jerusalem should clearly state as soon as possible that re-enfranchising Palestinians is an essential step towards greater Palestinian autonomy. Renewed Palestinian democracy offers the possibility of a fresh beginning for everyone. Nothing else does. Now, in this regard, I'll agree with the authors to some extent. When I talked about establishing one free, prosperous state for all, including Gaza and the West Bank, it's one free state, Israel, for all that is truly democratic, not led by some educated, so-called educated leaders in Palestine, okay, who are all indoctrinated, and not some morbid socialist communist type of construct which Hamas has put in place. But it's this author's right, you need to re-enfranchise the Palestinians, but as Israeli citizens, as part of Israel, and part of greater Israel, with the West Bank and Gaza because none of the Arab countries, none of the Arab dictators are going to take them. With that refreshing of democracy, you still start the journey because it's a long journey. You can't just move there and make this happen overnight. This is a decade's progress, mm-hmm. decade's effort that must take and have specific planning at multiple levels, economic, political, military social and others, because overcoming the ideas that Hamas and others in the Arab states and dictatorships have planted about Israel and stuff like that is going to take a coordinated effort, not just Israel, with Israel, but with the free West. And you got to leave useful idiots like Obama, the Clintons, and others out, and a Biden, the old Biden regime. So let's move on to the second part here. So let's say we establish a one free state Israel, a one free prosperous democratic state republic for all all those who occupy the land within Israel, including the West Bank and Gaza. What do you have to do now to move from a reactive to proactive posture? Well, there's several things. One of the key things you need to do is start by mapping the information environment. You need to map who the influencers are, the connections across the Middle East states, the dictators, the monarchies, who supports who. You need to map those networks, economic, social, political, military, et cetera, agricultural, everything. Just all those different facets are key to enabling the flow of information, the constraint of the information for disinformation and propaganda, and advancing facts in the proper narrative. Now you move from a reactive to proactive posture by one state, and you're creating this free state of Israel. That will seize the narrative. Believe me, I think you're going to get the world's attention by doing that. And when you say you're going to do it and put forth a free state of Israel, where economic prosperity, democracy, etc., will be for all citizens of Israel, regardless of their background, you're going to find it's hard for the so-called self-anointed leeches, the elites to argue against that. Because you're looking for prosperity and peace and democracy and freedom and independence for these people as part of one free state. Now, they'll go on the fringes and say, well, here's Israel, stuff like that. You can't be doing that because you're taking away these people's rights, taking away their land. That's BS, pure BS. But this is where you start to drive the narrative. And once you've mapped that information environment and you understand who the people are, who the connections are, who the real influences are, then you can start to drive the narrative. Because let me go back to a little history here. The 7 October attack, the 7 October attack was known within certain elements of Israel. In a Washington Post article by Shira Rubin, Shira Rubin okay, back in December here. She writes that Hamas spent more than a year planning his his, his attack on Israel, following battle plans built on open-source materials and high-level intelligence. Israeli intelligence officers told a small group of journalists Okay, in this article, she writes. The key here is they spent a year planning this. They spent two decades building the tunnels and such. They spent two decades indoctrinating the stuff. They controlled... The information environment, Hamas did, and even though they controlled the information environment, through open source, there are a number of elements within Israeli intelligence who identified this potential attack and some plans for it, but they were ignored. Unfortunately, they were ignored, much like in 9 we had certain people trying to blow, blow the whistle here in the United States, but they were ignored. Israel was warned Hamas was planning a major attack, but it was ignored. But this goes to the point, as I write in my book as well, of the critical use of open source, and how our intelligence apparatus, not only here in the United States, but in Israel, has failed miserably. The national security apparatus in the United States and Israel have become so politicized and so weaponized, and are so used to the behind-the-green-door top secret SCI classified stuff. They ignore what's before them in the open source realm, in the open public realm. Because that doesn't promote the bureaucracies and spending more money to do what they do. But we see the importance of the information environment and mapping it. Because when you map it, you understand the influencers and understand what's going on. You can then set profiles. You can set parameters to understand what baselines of normal behavior are in different areas. And from that, you can start to address them and understand, put in place tripwires to tell you what's happening, right? That's the importance of mapping the information environment. And that's how you move from a reactive to proactive posture because you one, you drive the narrative, you map the information about it, but now you can start to advance real narratives, real facts, But you can also stop and preclude and impede propaganda and disinformation. But this takes a concerted effort. It takes a whole society effort, not just within Israel, but across the free world. You advance real narratives also Mm -hmm. on the lives, the sexual desires and corruption and, and the economic corruption of the despots and dictators. Take a look across the Middle East at the monarchies and at the dictatorships there. They abuse their people. They control their people. They subjugate their people. Let's be honest. They're dictators and despots. In many cases, they're also quite perverted. But what they do is they condemn others who do what they do and they execute them. So you have a number of senior leaders in these different Arab countries and stuff that to promote child marriage okay why because the men aren't man enough to marry an adult woman and engage an adult relationship with the woman they have to subjugate and control they're going back a millennium plus when their age life expectancy was much lower but they promote this why because they want to promote perversion they want to promote disgusting aspects okay why because they live it themselves But part of what you can do here in driving the narrative and not only through open source, but through use of proactive intelligence, start to unveil and identify and promote an understanding, a factual understanding of how these people live their lives and how corrupt they are and what kind of hypocrites they are. Because they abuse their people, they abuse their people and they take that abuse at the expense of their people to keep themselves in power. So, when you map the information environment, you could do that. You can also take a look at examples like for examples where the non-governmental organizations, truth is dangerous and fiction here. But in a Washington Times article in December, they called out the non-governmental organizations and the UN must be called out for hypocrisy here. Because what's happening here is The article is titled The Hidden Role of International NGOs in the Gaza Humanitarian Crisis. The subtitle, Humanitarian Aid is Siphoned Off for Terrorists. So this is the unspoken truth that people all know about. They've known about this for 20 years. This is what Hamas this is how they got the money to build the tunnels. They took land from their own people. They took land from Palestinians. They abused them, subjugated them, murdered them and stole their land. Stole their children, stole their wives, other aspects like that. All, what? For their power and their privilege. That's why you have these Hamas leaders who are billionaires flying flying around the world like John Kerry, okay? Not worrying about carbon emissions, by the way, okay? And then slaughtering people because they take this aid. It's a humanitarian crisis. And they take this aid and then they accuse Israel of violating international law and condemn the United States and other allies for their support of the war against Hamas. But who's calling out Who's calling out what's happening to the NGOs? And stuff like that? You hear it now and then, but for the most part, it's buried again in the socialist media, in the mainstream media, because we no longer have a free press. We have the fifth column of suburbists, which adds and supports their allies, these despots and dictators, at the expense of Israel. Now, in this article, they said the NGOs also leave out the central element of Gaza humanitarian crisis. They failed to mention Hamas's decades of terrorism targeting Israel and Jews. A key part of this implicating the NGOs is Hamas's systematic exploitation and commandeering of aid for terror purposes. Now, when we come back from break, we're going to talk more about this before I go on to then how do you sustain this cognitive war? against the despots and dictators in Hamas. Now You can find out more about my show and get all my latest podcasts if you go to the menu navigation bar on americaoutloud.news. Look under the shows and schedule, you see it. There's many other great programs here. Stay engaged, follow me, and I'll be right back. Well, the out loud truth
1: was the rallying call that started it all, americaoutloud.news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Lady. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. This is Jodi O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org.
0: Welcome back to the NASA Security Hour. I'm your host for this evening, Ed Huglin. Let's continue on with the discussion about seizing the narrative, mapping the information environment in this cognitive war, and applying the lessons from my book, The Cognitive War why we are losing and how we can win in an advisory role to the Israeli government. We talked about them creating a new one free state, Israel, annexing the West Bank and Gaza. We talked about them seizing the narrative and now about how you do that with the information environment. And as part of that, we are discussing in that narrative, highlighting Not only the despots and dictators' hypocrisy, but how they abuse and subvert their own people and use them as cannon fodder, much as the progressive left tries to do so here in the United States. But in this article in the Washington Times, it says, in the absence of oversight and safeguards, the humanitarian aid was and is being diverted by Hamas and other Gaza-based terrorist groups. Hamas used concrete meant for rebuilding houses for civilian to construct miles and miles of fabricated tunnels. Tens of thousands of rockets were made out of pipes intended for water and sewage. Okay, China, Russia, Iran all provided them a different assistance, no doubt provided them intelligence assistance. It says in the article, as seen in video from Gaza, Hamas continued to steal aid during the war increasingly from desperate civilians. So again, they don't care. Despots and dictators could give a rat's patootie about their own people because they want power, absolute power to sustain absolute power. And that's what's what so critical about cognitive warfare. It's about good versus evil. And evil will do whatever it needs to do to basically hold on to power, expand power, and create the boogeyman. And so in this cognitive warfare, you have to drive the narrative. You have to point out the hypocrisy. You have to get down in the dirt and highlight highlight the hypocrisy, the perversion, and distrust, distrust that's existing in these different countries, Iran, China, Russia, and in Gaza, and in the West Bank. The article says, eventually, the war in Gaza will end, and rebuilding will begin. In all likelihood, governments will once again funnel hundreds of millions more aid to the trusted partners. But that trusted aid should now go to a one free, prosperous state, Israel, controlled by Israel, not the Palestinian representatives, the indoctrinated, useful idiots, not some UN organization which despises Israel and free states like the United States. We ought to kick their butt out of the United States. The article says, to avoid repeating previous disaster that contributed to significant to Hamas's ability to carry out the massacre, UN and NGO agencies will need to embrace and demonstrate real accountability. Well, no shift, Sherlock. No shift, Adam Schiff, that is. This is why, when you had declared declare a one free, prosperous state of Israel, then Israel has to control the information environment, they have to control the narrative, and they have to control the overall infrastructure, architecture, and other aspects in here. Now, the Middle East dictators and leaders, as I said, have to be called out. They have to be called out made examples here. These dictatorships are often characterized by some of the same aspects. They suspend elections, they suspend civil liberties, they continually proclaim state of emergency, Get ready for that here in the United States. By the way, upcoming 2024 election. they rule by decree, and they repress political opponents. Sound like someone here in the United States, like the progressive left? They do not abide by the procedures of the rule of law. Good for thee, but not for me. And where do you see that happening here in the U.S.? And the reason I'm highlighting in the U.S. as well is because we have a cognitive war, an ongoing domestic cognitive war here in the United States. And so what I'm telling you today and trying to lead you today here about Israel is also applicable in the United States. Monarchies and dictatorships, let's name some of them, Egypt, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, United Arab Emirates, Algeria, Bahrain, Djibouti, Iraq, Kuwait, Lebanon, Libya, Oman, Sudan, Somalia, Syria, Tunisia, Yemen, Abkhazia, Afghanistan. Naming one of those countries that has some semblance of a free and independent society for the people. Name one of those societies that does not subjugate control and murder their own people. But in Israel's take attack back against these despots and dictators, they also have to include members of other foreign governments who are leaders or so called leaders within the establishment. For example, the squad here in the United States, the squad here in the United States, Paul and others who came out and AOC, Cory Bush and others who come out and applauded Hamas's efforts initially, walked it back some, but support BLM, who also who also applauded Hamas's efforts. Why? Because they're all left wing, Marxist, socialist elements that use those false utopian ideas to tell you that they have something better for you in the future. As I said up front in cognitive warfare, you use ideology, religion, or issues. In our own United States Congress, you have these miscreants, I call them domestic terrorists who are members of Congress who support Hamas, and they're still in Congress. They have been ejected, which is just an abomination. Look at the progressive's response to the murder of the elderly during COVID. How they released felons across the United States, carjackings up, and millions of billions in property was damaged in the so-called summer of love with BLM and Tifa and stuff. Okay. Then ask yourselves, what makes them different from Hamas? What that makes them different from Hamas is a level of destruction and murder. But believe you me, If they had the opportunity, they'd pull the trigger full out. And that's why they also, I digress a little bit, but that's why they also attack our Second Amendment rights. And you notice in Israel now, all the citizens, all the citizens of Israel are going out and getting armed now. Because no one wants to be left open to slaughter. Okay, it's a freaking utopian dream to think you can live among despots and dictators and people who want to murder you and you shouldn't be armed. And same thing in the United States. It's a utopian dream in the progressive cities across the United States where crime has run rampant because of progressive policies, but they want to take away your guns and your right to protect yourself. But they don't care if the felons, the murderers, the rapists, the pedophiles go free. No, because it's all about subjugating and terrorizing you. And that's why you have to call it the hypocrisy, not only of Middle East leaders and Arab leaders, but you also have to call it hypocrisy, point out those who are also allies of those adversaries, whether they're in the United States or other places worldwide. And you have to call out the reality of the abuse and enslavement of Palestinians by Hamas. Multiple examples of this. Look across the Middle East, Arab states, and what they've done to their own people. Shia versus Sunni. They slaughter one another. Why? Using religion. But for why? Power. Absolute power. It has nothing to do with religion. It's all about gaining and maintaining absolute power. So we talked about the one state, prosperous, free state, Israel, the main piece of advice. We've talked about then mapping the information environment and taking and seizing the narrative. So let's go to the last section here and talk about sustaining the advantage. Sustaining the advantage for Israel is going to have to take a long view of things here because you cannot change an idea and indoctrination that's taken place over decades and centuries overnight. So to to sustain the advantage and advance the cognitive war in their favor, they have to apply the theory of the information equilibrium as I write about in my book. The theory of the information in simple form is the flow or control of information decides whether you're moving towards a democracy or a dictatorship, subjugation or freedom. So when you map the information environment, you understand not only the physical, but the material means to communicate because human-to-human communication is the most critical and essential part. You then have to apply this theory to then understand is how do you get the facts, the logic, and other aspects out to the people? Well, one of the key elements here is they have to overhaul the education system across the state of Israel. And then the new free state, prosperous state of Israel in the area that was once formerly Gaza and once formerly the West Bank you have to overall that education system because you have to start to educate people what reality is, not what propaganda disinformation is. And you have to allow free and open debate, but to do that, you have to ensure the free flow of information. And that's the basis of the theory of the information equilibrium. With that free flow of information and understanding the mapping of the information environment, you can then also take a look at then how you create awareness, and educate people on disinformation and propaganda. Because in this long battle in the cognitive domain, domain, the battle of the human mind, you have to let people decide. But you must give them the tools, you must give them the tools, the education and information to help them decide. Given free reign and indoctrination, you're going to cause people to move into one sort of category, extremists, think about the boogeyman, and hate others. But on the counterside, there are plenty of people, as I talked about in one article today, is one Arab man had the strength and wisdom to stand up and say, why is it that you're condemning the only people, Israel and the United States, who are trying to provide peace for the region? It's about damn time we start calling out the despots and dictators and calling their charade and ending the two-state solution, going for one free, prosperous state of Israel. So you have to set up the education system completely whole from soup to nuts. This includes universities and stuff. And you have to start taking a look at accreditation and other aspects in terms of those people who are leading those universities, because you have to get these leashes of society, these so-called self-anointed elites, who live off the teeth of free democracy and free republics, them the hell out of the administrations and put people in who speak truth to power and who put forth truth and logic. You can't have your institutions of higher education and learning indoctrinating your youth the same way that the Palestinians and Hamas have done for decades. Hint, hint, this goes for the United States as well. So one free and prosperous state and individual freedoms. Now, economic and other aspects has to be tied to peace and law. You have to have a strong legal system. Okay, So let's take a look at another article here to sort of inform this discussion, what to expect from the CCP in the foreseeable future. Because part of sustaining the advantage here is not only pushing back on adversaries like China, Iran, Russia, and Hamas, Okay, the proxy for these folks, but it's also building alliances with others. But if you're going to push back on these other folks, you have to you have to dis- detach yourself from them. So with China, one of the key aspects that Israel must take a look at with China is detaching itself from its economic tie to China wholeheartedly and finding other venues and sources. That alone will hurt China, but you also then remove a big potential narrative mouthpiece there. So in this opinion column by Gary. Yershanek in November in the Washington Times. He writes early in the morning of 7 October when Haras committed these attacks and took over 400 hostages. New media collaboration was not unprecedented at this time, and Americans must pay attention. In the not too distant future, we'll see a media collaboration with China forces attacking American troops and installations as a part of its much broader political warfare book. And in this article, he says, We are not prepared. And he's right. What the author is talking about is with China has already had a highly effective propaganda war. You've seen what they've done with TikTok and the American youth, 150 million Americans on TikTok. And the youth of today think Israel's the enemy because they've been indoctrinated while they're sitting in classrooms and in their homes in the United States of America. What do you think they're going to do to the Middle East countries? They're going to advance that narrative. So to sustain the advantage, you have to map the information out. You have to can take control of that aspects. The article goes on to re- re- report that reporters without borders, border journalists affiliated with CNN, Associated Press, The New York Times, and Reuters knew where to be when Hamas butchery began. Now think of that. Here you have our once-free press embedding themselves with Hamas terrorists to get the story of the murder and slaughter of innocent civilians. What the hell is that all about? Like these organizations, news organizations, China is also supporting Hamas through psychological warfare and propaganda. In fact, Hamas co-option and news media straight out of China's political warfare playbook. Exactly, as Dr. Yan and I, the voice of Dr. Yan also on the National Security Hour have talked about China is using unrestricted warfare, cognitive warfare. Political warfare includes media warfare, legal warfare, psychological warfare, United Front operations and active measures like assassination. Okay? And they're teaching this stuff to Hamas Hamas, and they're teaching this stuff to other of their allies. So to get a sustained advantage, you have to map the information. You have to understand and control that narrative. And to do that, you have to take over the education systems and you have to start to drive the narrative. You do that by having strong control over criminal elements and zealots. You have to have a strong legal system that's applied justice fairly. But I also talk about in the book, you have to map out the minimal essential architecture required that allows you to provide tactical and strategic warfare in the cognitive domain persistently and forever. Now, the minimal essential architecture is really that architecture which is the most minimal in terms of information, data, both physical and material and non-material networks. It deals with the capacity, the expertise and the abilities to conduct cognitive work. Because let me tell you people, with only a few pockets Israel, like the United States, had no such means to conduct this type of warfare. But China has been doing it for 25 years. The article goes on to say, should the U.S. be forced into war, there will be no time to compensate for deficiencies or stockpile of weapons and ammunition in an article in Politico. And what I'm getting at here is if you don't map the minimal essential architecture, what you're going to end up doing is fighting kinetic wars which are persistent and losing, because you don't kill the idea, you exasperate the situation, and you'll bleed us dry in terms of weaponry, people, and citizens, while they win the cognitive warfare without firing a shot behind our backs in, in venues like TikTok, in our fifth column, what we once called the, the free press in America. So today, I hope I gave you an example of how you could take and apply the lessons from my book, The Cognitive Warfare why we are losing, how you can win, to a real life example in Israel. Move to one state solution, seize the narrative, and then build a sustained capability. I'm here on the National Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside of the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of a republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The NASA Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States.